0: SECTION 22 OF THE DIARY OF A COUNTRY PARSON BY JAMES WOODFORD READ BY JOHN GREENMAN THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN SEVENTEEN SEVENTY-NINE JANUARY 1ST I BREAKFAST, DINED, SUPPED, AND SLEPT AGAIN AT HOME. THIS MORNING VERY EARLY, ABOUT ONE O'CLOCK, A MOST DREADFUL STORM OF WIND, WITH HAIL AND SNOW, HAPPENED HERE, AND THE WIND DID NOT QUITE ABATE TILL THE EVENING. A little before two o'clock I got up, my bedstead rocking under me, and never in my life that I know of did I remember the wind so high or of so long continuance. I expected every moment that some part or other of my house must have been blown down, but, blessed be God, the whole stood, only a few tiles displaced. My servants also perceived their bedsteads to shake, thanks be to god that none of my people or self were hurt my chancel received great damage as did my barn the leads from my chancel were almost all blown off with some parts of the roof the north west window blown in and smashed all to pieces the east window also damaged but not greatly the north window leads on to the top of the church also some of them blown up and ruffled besides two windows injured the clay on the north end of my barn blown in and the west side of the roof the thatch most all blown away leaving many holes in it the damage sustained by me will amount i suppose to fifty pounds if not more however i thank god no lives were lost that i hear of and i hope not Mr. Shaddlelow's barn, Michael Andrews, with many others, all blown down. Numbers of trees torn up by the roots in many places. In the evening the wind abated, and was quite calm when I went to bed about eleven o'clock. Since what happened this morning I prolonged the letter that I designed to send to my sister Ponset to relate what had happened here by the storm, and this evening sent it to her by Mr. Carey. A smart frost this evening— as the year begins rather unfortunate to me, hope the other parts of it will be as propitious to me. It appears from subsequent entries that so badly had the church been damaged by the storm that no services could be held till February 19th, by which date the necessary repairs to the chancel roof had been completed. January 3rd, I sent Will to Mr. Hammerton's at Ling this afternoon to inquire after Bill, and, by a letter, received there, Bill has altered his mind. N. B. Bill is gone into Somerset and does not intend going into the Chatham. January 16th. A sad gang of villains that infested these parts of ten in number apprehended and sent to the castle. January 18th. This being the Queen's birthday, about one o'clock, I fired off my blunderbuss once on the occasion. It had two tops of powder put in with paper upon it To my maid Betty, for one couple of rabbits, eightpence january twenty first I breakfasted, dined, supped, and slept again at home. Poor James Pratt died this afternoon in the small-pox in the natural way. he never could be prevailed upon to be inoculated. He has left a wife just ready to be brought to bed with six more small children pray god send comfort to the poor widow and family january twenty second he spends the day at mr baldwin's and meets mr hammerton mr hammerton and i had some talk about my nephew he said that he believed him to be a very unsteady man and that he was very desirous and eager after the chatham before she returned and that when she did he altered his mind forsook her and fled into the west mr h told me also that the captain had kept a place open entirely for him and that he would have been very soon promoted the captain was much displeased as well as mr hammerton who had both been very kind to him and did all they could for him he will never i believe turn out very well anywhere and his parents, whatever they may promise, will do nothing. His father had wrote a letter to him to let him know that he would get a lieutenancy of Marines for him, that his uncle Thomas Woodford had promised to speak to my Lord Guilford. Note. Francis North, 1st Earl of Guilford, 1704-1790. to 1790. He was father of the famous Lord North, Prime Minister, though he himself asserted that there was no such thing in the British Constitution. From 1770 to 1782, Lord Guilford was not a remarkable man in any way, but he was a great favorite at court of George Third and Queen Charlotte, and therefore very influential. C. D. N. B. Speak to my Lord Guilford for him about the same. I wish my head might never ache before that time. January 25th. Busy this morning in cleaning my jack, and did it completely. My stomach rather sick this evening. Mince-pie rose oft. January 26th. Rotation day at Mr. Howes. Just as the company was gone, Mrs. Howes attacked Mr. Howes about putting down the chairs, and she talked very roughly to him, and strutted about the room. It was rather too much in her. I did not stay long to hear it, but soon decamped, and was at home before ten. February sixth at Norwich. I went to Mr. Priest's, and Mr. Priest, or Mr. Furman, and myself went to see a remarkable large pig, which even exceeded our idea of him. He is said to weigh fifty stone, is nine foot from the tip of his tail to the top of his snout in length, and four foot high when standing. He is obliged to be helped up when down. I never saw such a creature in my life february ninth i breakfasted and slept again at home at one o'clock took a ride to ling and dined spent the afternoon supped and spent the evening and stayed till after three this morning at mr hammerton's with him and his wife mr and mrs baldwin and miss nancy mr lloyd and his wife of bellow dined and spent the afternoon and stayed till near eight in the evening with us at mr hammerton's we had for dinner a leg of mutton boiled and capers, three fowls roasted, and a tongue, a plain pudding, custards, tarts, and syllabubs, for supper a hot giblet pie, cold fowl, and tongue, potted beef, tarts, custards, and syllabubs. Mr. Lloyd is a very agreeable man, sings exceeding well, keeps a pack of hounds, is a captain in the militia, a justice of peace and of good fortunes. At Lou this evening, Nancy Baldwin and myself going partners, we won between us five shillings. I took two shillings and gave Nancy the rest. We were very merry indeed, all the whole time. I gave to Mr. Hamerton's servants two shillings. I did not get to bed till after four this morning. My maid, Nanny, walked downstairs to the kitchen door naked this night in her sleep. February 13th by this day's paper an account is given that the trial of admiral keppel is over and that the court had declared and said that the court are unanimously of opinion that the charge of sir hugh palliser is malicious and ill-founded and that admiral keppel behaved as became a judicious brave and experienced officer this court therefore do honourably acquit him At the receipt of the above intelligence, a general illumination took place throughout London and Westminster, accompanied by ringing of bells, firing of cannon, etc. Note, see pages two hundred and forty two hundred and forty one 241 footnote. I gave the people at work for me at church a pretty severe jobation this oft, finding them at the inn. February 17th. I lent my servant, Will Coleman, this evening to subscribe towards raising a man for the militia, if he should be drawn, as there are many more that have done the same at ten shillings sixpence each, one pound, one shilling. FEBRUARY 27th. Never known scarce such fine weather at this season of the year, and of so long continuance ever since almost the storm of the first of January. It was like June to-day thanks to god for such glorious weather march fifth sent a letter this evening to dr oglander warden of the new college to petition him for assistance in repairing my chancel with the society march fifteenth i spent some part of the morning at church and my new seat and a very handsome one made of deal was finished this day in putting up in the chancel and made by mr pile of hockering but i found most of the deal to do it with The old seat that was is converted into a servant's seat and they both look neat and will completely so when painted march twenty third i breakfast and slept again at home memorandum in shaving my face this morning i happened to cut one of my moles which bled much and happening also to kill a small moth that was flying about i applied it to my land it instantaneously stopped the bleeding march thirtieth never known perhaps such a long continuance of dry and fine weather we have had no settled rain for any time for almost two years last past march thirty first i breakfast and slept again at home i took a ride about two o'clock to mr custance's at ringland and there dined supped spent the even with him and his wife and lady bacon We had for the first course a dish of fish, a leg of mutton, roasted, and some ham and chicken tarts. The second course an orange apple pudding, some asparagus, veal collets, syllabubs, and jelly. Soon after dinner was obliged to return to Overton to bury old Mrs. Pegg at five o'clock, which I did, aged seventy-three. I had a hatband and a pair of white kid gloves. I returned to mr custance's by tea time and after tea we got to cards to whist at which i lost one shilling sixpence mrs custance and self attacked lady bacon and mr custance i spent a very agreeable day there today we had some parmesan cheese after dinner and supper of which i eat uh, very hearty and like it exceedingly i gave to one of mr custance's servants one shilling I got home about eleven at night, April third, quite a summer's day and exceeding fair. Had a letter this evening from my sister Pouncelet. Had another from Doctor Oglander, Warden of New College, Oxford, in answer to mine, and very satisfactory it was. Five poor unhappy young men were hanged this day at Norwich, for divers misdemeanors. At the last assizes they were condemned. Bell, Body, Bridges partridge and griffin none of them but what were quite young but villains april eleventh between eleven and twelve o'clock this morning i went to church and publicly christened mr custance's child of ringland it had been privately named before and the name of it was hamilton thomas the gossips were sir edmund bacon proxy for sir thomas Mr. Press Custance and Lady Bacon. Mr. and Mrs. Custance, also present at the ceremony. There were coaches at church. Mr. Custance, immediately after the ceremony, came to me and desired me to accept a small present. It was wrapped up in a piece of white paper, very neat, and on opening it I found it contained nothing less than the sum of four pounds four shillings. He gave the clerk also ten shillings sixpence. April 15th. I breakfasted and supped again at home. About two o'clock took a ride to Mr. Custance's at Ringland, and there dined, spent the afternoon, supped and spent the evening with him and Mrs. Custance and Lady Bacon. Sir Edmund Bacon came to us just at supper-time, and he supped, etc. there. Sir Edmund was rather merry, and was very cheerful. He is quite a young man and personable, but has an odd cast with his eyes rather cross-sighted. I spent a very agreeable day at Ringland. We had for dinner a breast of veal, ragout, a fine piece of boiled beef, a pigeon pie, custards, puffs, and some lemon-cream, for supper a young chicken, cold tongue, etc. At whist this evening Mrs. Custance and myself against Lady Bacon and Mr. Custance, and I lost two shillings. It was astonishing hot and sultry most part of the day and in the evening a good deal of lightning most uncommon weather for the time of the year the thermometer as high as at any time last year i got home about eleven at night april seventeenth i breakfast dined supped and slept again at home a miss ray mistress to lord sandwich note john montague fourth earl of sandwich seventeen eighteen to seventeen ninety two after a varied career as general politician and ambassador became first Lord of the Admiralty in Lord North's ministry on January 12, 1771, a post which he held till Lord North's fall from power in 1782. His tenure of office synchronized with a deplorably corrupt and inefficient administration of the Navy continuing throughout the American war. He was nicknamed Jemmy Twitcher, of beggar's opera fame, as early as 1763, on account of his conduct against Wilkes, once his boon-companion. On the other hand, he was the patron of the celebrated pioneer Captain Cook, who named the Sandwich Islands after him. Sandwich's mistress, Miss Martha Ray, had lived with him for sixteen years when she was murdered by the Reverend James Hackman. She was a good musician, and the musical entertainments at Hinchinbroke, which the Montagues bought from the Cronwells in the seventeenth century, were celebrated for their excellence. See, D.N.B., also Mr. D.A. Winstanley's, the University of Cambridge in the 18th century, for an account of the famous contest between Lord Sandwich and Lord Hardwick for the stewardship of the university. End of note. A Miss Ray, mistress to Lord Sandwich, was last week shot through the head as she was getting into her coach from the playhouse in London by one Mr. Ackman, a clergyman, He was immediately taken into custody and will be hanged it is supposed it is thought that it was done through despair of love he immediately after shooting her discharged another pistol at his own head it grazed his forehead but did not kill him as someone pulled his arm a captain bruce also last week shot himself through the head but not immediately killed him he then fell on his sword which broke in his body servant then got into the room a surgeon was sent for who dressed his wounds and put him to bed he then took a large knife not having dispatched himself and stabbed himself which also broke and that wound was dressed he then took a pen knife and cut his throat and then expired soon he had not a great while ago married a woman of three thousand pounds per annum no reason assigned for it such things indeed are very dismal to read. April eighteenth. I read prayers and preached this morning at Weston. Mr. and Mrs. Custance of Ringland were at church and sat in my new seat in the chancel, their new seat in the church not being finished as yet. I gave Mrs. Custance a fine flower, a double stock. April twenty eighth. I took a ride to Sparham and made a visit to the Reverend Mr. Attle who behaved very complacent and civil though a visit so long due to him from me i drank a dish of coffee and one dish of tea there and returned home he has a noble house and his fields about him look exceeding neat and well he built the house himself and it cost him one thousand pounds between may fourth and may eighth the diarist and mr hall of winborough put into execution a scheme upon the northern coast of Norfolk, which had been some time talked of. Servant Will went with them. First they went to Cromer, famous for catching of crabs and lobsters. Next they went to Clay, and thence to Wells. And Wells they spent the night at the Royal Standard, kept by one smith, a civil and obliging man, and the day following got into a small boat and went to sea in it. The diarist, however, did not enjoy himself, though they went out, but a little way, as he was very near sick as was Will, and the wave so large that frightened me, as I thought it dangerous. From Wells they went to Houghton Hall, Lord Orford's, note, George Walpole, 3rd Earl of Orford, 1730-1791, to he was grandson of the Prime Minister, Sir Robert Walpole, Lord Orford's seat. The house and furniture, the grandest I ever saw, and the pictures are supposed to be the best collection in Europe. After visiting Lynn Regis, Swaffham, and Derham, the party returned to their respective homes on May 8th, Mr. Hall to Winborough, and the diarist and Will to Weston. May 15th. Bled my three horses this morning, two quarts each. May 18th. Mr. Howes and wife and Mr. Davy, Mr. Bottom and his brother, and Mr. Duquesne, all dined and spent the afternoon and part of the evening with us to-day. I gave them for dinner a dish of mackerel, three young chicken boiled, and some bacon, a neck of pork roasted, and a gooseberry pie hot. We laughed immoderately after dinner on Mrs. Howes being sent to Coventry by us for an hour— what with laughing and eating hot gooseberry pie brought on me the hiccups with a violent pain in my stomach which lasted till i went to bed at cards quadrille this evening lost two shillings sixpence may twenty first sent a letter this evening by carry to dr oglander warden of new college with a bill of the expenses on the repairing of my church in all seventy three pounds ten shillings eleven and a half pence May twenty-second, My boy Jack had another touch of the ague about noon. I gave him a dram of gin at the beginning of the fit, and pushed him headlong into one of my ponds, and ordered him to bed immediately, and he was better after it, and had nothing of the cold fit after, but was very hot. May twenty-seventh, My maid Nanny was taken very ill this evening, with a dizziness in the head and a desire to vomit, but could not. Her straining to vomit brought on the hiccups, which continued very violent till after she got to bed. I gave her a dose of rhubarb, going to bed. Ben was also very ill and in the same complaint about noon, but he vomited and was soon better. I gave Ben a good dose of rhubarb, also going to bed. May thirty-first. I breakfasted at home, and at six this morning set forth on my mare for the West Country, and took my man Will Coleman with me. Who rode my great horse the journey occupied six days and was uneventful on the thirty-first they slept at barton mills at the bull on june first at royston at the talbot as they passed through newmarket in the morning they saw lord orford just going out a-hawking on june second at aylesborough at the george inn on june third at newbury at the pelican on june fourth at amesbury at the new inn and on june fifth they arrived at eight in the evening at ansford and i thank god found all my friends there hearty and well and exceeding glad to see me i supped and slept at mr pounsett's my horses there also my man will coleman supped and slept there also the six days journey cost the diarist in all six pounds three shillings three and a half pence including the horses for more than three months the diarist and will stayed at ansford mr duquesne taking the duty meanwhile at weston at ansford we immediately get back into the old somerset atmosphere the days spent in a constant interchange of generous hospitality between the numerous relations and friends in frequent fishing expeditions occasional visiting of feasts and fairs and jaunts further afield needless to say the lewises father and son were shabby as usual turn up having walked from nottinghamshire and live on their hospitable relations for some weeks june twelfth, mr james clark brother john's wife and nancy woodford and sister clark dined spent the afternoon supped and spent the evening with us richard clark and wife and brother john spent the afternoon with us also but was very disagreeable being drunk and was going to fight with james clark and swore abominably it was twelve o'clock before we got to bed, being so much disturbed. I pity his wife much. July 1st. About noon, I walked down to Carry with Brother Hyes and read the London paper at the George Inn. I treated Brother Heise with a pint of beer. I paid two and a half pence. After that, I went to Richard Clark's and dined, spent the afternoon, supped, and spent the evening there with him and his wife, James Clark my brother John's wife, and Nancy Woodford, and my sister Poundsett. We had for dinner three fowls, boiled and a pig's face, a haunch of venison, roasted and sweet sauce, tarts and cheese cheesecakes. N. B. Not a bit of fat was there on the venison. Brother Heise, Brother John, Juliana Woodford, and Sister Clark supped and spent the evening with us. July 3rd. Brother Hyes complained of being very poor this afternoon. I therefore let him have one pound, one shilling, for which I had of him an old family gold ring, which he is to have again when he can repay me. July ninth, I went a-fishing by myself this morning down to Wick Bridge, and angled from thence to Cole, and there I dined and spent the afternoon at Mr. Guppy's with him, his sister, and Mr. Poundsett. We had for dinner some bacon and beans, a shoulder of mutton and currant pie. I caught three trout, the largest fourteen inches and a half long, which I caught with two grasshoppers and a small hook. Whilst I was fishing this morning, Bill Woodford came to me on horseback to take his leave of me, as he was then going off for Portsmouth to go aboard the fortune sloop of war of twelve guns and in the same capacity as he was to have went in the chatham of fifty guns the latter would have been much better and he repents much of not going but is now too late i wished him well but gave him nothing at all to mr guppy's maid sybil for a poor woman in distress at shepton Montague, gave one shilling to mr guppy's man to ellis coleman gave one shilling sister clark supton spent the evening with us July 19th. This being the bishop's visitation at Bruton to-day, I took my mare and rode over to see some of the clergy whom I have been long acquainted with. I went to the church, heard the prayers read by Mr. Hall, and heard also the visitation sermon preached by Mr. Wickham of Shepton Mallet, and after that I heard the bishop's charge to his clergy, which chiefly consisted of advising them to catechize the children publicly, and to give them lectures on the same, recommending the late Metropolitans, Dr. Secker. Note, Thomas Secker, 1693-1768, to 1768, Archbishop of Canterbury. He was one of the best of the lesser-known archbishops, a man of great intellectual ability, the devoted friend of the great Bishop Butler, of wonderfully tolerant mind, sympathetic to Wesley, friendly with the dissenters, Hostile to any persecution of the Jacobite Scottish clergy after the defeat of 1745, originally intended for the dissenting ministry, then temporarily turning from theological studies to medicine, he was made an M.D. of Leyden in 1721 for a brilliant medical thesis. He finally decided to enter Anglican orders. Through the stages of Country Parson and London Parson, he became successively Bishop of Bristol Bishop of Oxford, finally entering Lambeth Palace in 1758. See the account of Archbishop Secker in Mr. A. W. Rowden's The Primates of the Four Georges, Murray, 1916, also D.N.B., end of note. The late Metropolitan, Dr. Secker's dissertations on the Catechism, and, lastly, of visiting the sick with an encomium on the king. I saw Will Bailey, little Mr. Hunt, Mr. Rag, Mr. Marsh, Mr. Rawkins, Mr. Wickham, Mr. Millard, Mr. Goldsborough, Mr. Thomas of Cary, etc., etc. The bishop of Bath and Wells is Dr. Charles Moss. Note. Charles Moss, 1711-1802, bishop successively of St. David's and of Bath and Wells, nephew of Robert Moss, 1666-1729, dean of Ely, and father of charles moss seventeen sixty three to eighteen eleven bishop of oxford he was son of a norfolk gentleman farmer and inherited a large fortune from his uncle the dean he was an amiable prelate and strongly supported hannah moore's educational activities in somerset most of his considerable wealth he left to his son upon whom he had already bestowed various promotions in the church c d n b n b i stole a goose this morning from my sister white and asked her to dine upon it to-morrow and she is to know nothing of it i told her i had a swan mr white went to sherban fair this morning i lent him my great horse to go there july twenty first i breakfasted and spent the morning at ansford about twelve o'clock i got into the weymouth machine from bath and set off by myself for Weymouth. There was only one man in it who was dressed as a gentleman and behaved as such. His name was Watson. We dined at Sherburne at the George, a shabby inn, and had a most miserable dinner, about two pound of boiled beef and an old tame rabbit. I paid for my dinner at Sherburne one shilling sixpence. We then went on to Dorchester, and there we had a bottle of the famous Dorchester beer, and very good it was. For the bottle of beer I paid myself sixpence. We got to Weymouth about eight o'clock, and there I supped and slept at the King's Head, kept by one lauder, a very good inn and very civil people. To the coachman for my fare paid nine shillings sixpence, to the coachman for himself gave one shilling. Mr. Watson and self supped together, for my share paid two shillings. July 23rd mr watson who came with me i heard this afternoon was a hairdresser from bristol and dresses ladies heads weymouth at present has but little company in it for my dinner to-day and supper to-night and lodging three nights paid this evening to mrs lauder six shillings ninepence july twenty seventh about eleven this morning i took a ride with my sister who rode behind my servant to south cadbury and there I left her at Mr. Slade's, where she dined, etc. I went afterwards on my mare by myself to Milborne Port, about five miles from South Cadbury, and there I dined and spent the afternoon at Mr. Lucas's, with him, his mother, and Sister Chandler, and two young gentlemen. Lucas is just the same man as at New College. He has the vicarage of Millborne Port, being fellow of Winton College, his mother and sister keep his house for him he told me that his present income was about three hundred and fifty pound per annum one of the young gentlemen that dined with us lives at queen camel and is a clergyman his name charles the other was a lad and lately a chorister of new college his name was charles marsh and i remembered him there lucas was very glad to see me at five left him we had for dinner some boiled pork and beans a couple of ducks roasted and an apricot pudding going to lucas's i saw jack windham and his wife in a phaeton and pair going from Courton to cadbury but was not near enough to speak to him he has the living of Courton and resides there he married a miss bowles of salisbury canon Bowles's daughter jack windham is a doctor of law I returned to Cadbury about seven in the evening, stayed there half an hour, and returned with my sister to Ansford about nine o'clock. August twelfth, I breakfasted, dined, supped, and slept again at Bath, whither he had gone on a jaunt on August tenth, visiting Bristol also. James Lewis and his son called on me this morning at Bath, but did not stay long. They were going for Nottingham. I did not give either of them anything at all. The Lewises had been at Ansford since July 11th, having walked from Nottingham. To a barber this morning of Bath gave sixpence. After breakfast and dressing, I took a walk, and near the parade met with my good old friend Dr. Penny, who was hearty and well. I walked with him to the bank and to the coffee-house, and the doctor, seeing a Miss Bliss walking by the coffee-house, he joined her, and I saw nothing more of him afterwards at Bath. I called at the three inns, etc., but he was gone. At the three inns, for some rum and water, paid threepence. For a pair of garters this morning, paid one shilling. To some fish-hooks, two dozen, paid also two shillings. To two new pamphlets concerning a tithe cause, paid six shillings. I went and saw the abbey church, which is kept very neat, and a great many monuments in it. At david's fruit shop this afternoon for a melon paid two shillings sixpence for three pounds of filberts paid also one shilling fourpence after tea this evening i took a walk in the fields and met in my walk two girls the eldest about seventeen the other about fifteen both common prostitutes even at that early age i gave them some good advice to consider the end of things i gave them one shilling I paid my bill this evening at the Christopher, as I intend going off early to-morrow morning, in all fourteen shillings sixpence. Ringing, etc. at Bath today, being the Prince's birthday. August 13th I got up this morning, about six o'clock, and at seven got into the diligence for Ansford. To the chambermaid at Bath gave one shilling sixpence, waiter one shilling, deputy waiter sixpence boot-catch, sixpence, total two shillings. A clergyman by name Austin, from the city of kilkenny in Ireland, went with me in the diligence from Bath, he being going to see a friend at Weymouth. He was a very good kind of man by his appearance. He knew James Lewis and his father very well. He was a scholar of old Mr. Lewis, and he gave him a very high character, but a very bad one of James Lewis, He told me that James Lewis was one of the most wild turn, that when a boy he shot another boy through the head, but by accident, that he had been a deserter to the French in the rebellion, forty-five, and saved being shot by bringing back ten deserters with him, that he had quite tired his friends in Ireland and would do the same in England. A common expression of James Lewis's when in Ireland was that his being was in England— We breakfasted together at Gannard's grave on some brandy and milk, for which I paid sixpence. At Gannard's grave we took up two passengers, one inside and one outside. Three passengers in the inside made it very disagreeable in so small a diligence. I got to Ansford about twelve, and there I supped and slept at Mr. Poundsett's, gave the driver, Tom Smith, one shilling, Mr. Guppy, Mr. Thomas, Sister White and one John White of Brinton, who came with Mr. Guppy, dined, etc. here. We had a fine young hare for dinner. August 19th. When I returned home from a fishing expedition, I found the people at Ansford, etc., in great consternation, a report being spread by John Burgey of Castle Carey, that the French and Spanish fleets were engaging at Portsmouth, that three of our line were sunk, and that the spanish and french fleets consisted of more than sixty ships of the line and ours only forty ships that the stones in portsmouth street were taken up etc as it came from such authority i don't credit it at all john Burgey said that he had it from a man who saw the engagement and saw also our three ships sink and that the sea looked on fire where the engagement was it frightened my sisters White and Pounceit very much. August twentieth. In the evening I walked to South Carry to old Mrs. Penny's, and there Mr Pounceit himself smoked a pipe with doctor Penny. Nothing true about the French as mentioned yesterday. August twenty third, I got up this morning between five and six, and at six I took a ride and my servant with me to Wells. We got there about eight and there we breakfasted at the goat kept by robin coleman's widow for my breakfast etc paid one shilling fourpence after breakfast i walked down to mr wickham's who lives close to the deanery and there saw mr and mrs wickham their son tom and his two sisters betty and fanny a mr skinner and son from richmond were there also mr and mrs wickham pressed me to dine with them i then went back to my inn got upon my mare and went on to cheddar eight miles from wells we got there about eleven o'clock put up my horse at the buck there and then will and myself walked to the cliffs to see them about one half mile from the inn and most grand appearance did they make we walked quite through them which could not be less than a mile they are supposed to be rent asunder by an earthquake Some of the rocks, I suppose, are above three hundred feet perpendicular. Each side of the rocks exactly corresponds with one another, like the teeth of a gin when extended. It exceeded my expectation greatly, indeed. I set off from Cheddar a quarter before two o'clock, and we returned to Wells by three. I got off at Mr. Wickham's, and Will had the horses to the goat, and there he dined, etc., paid at cheddar for ourselves and horses one shilling fourpence i dined and spent the afternoon at mr wickham's with him his wife two daughters and son mr skinner and son and a clergyman by name purcell who lives on the public we had for dinner some boiled beef a fillet of veal roasted and a plum pudding mulberries and pears after dinner a mr cambridge and his two sisters from richmond called at mr wickham's in a chaise this afternoon being just returned from plymouth he informed us that plymouth and exeter were in great consternation about the french and spanish fleets who were on wednesday last about five leagues from plymouth they saw them very plain from the hill near plymouth and could distinctly tell the numbers of the ships and they amounted to only seventy-three sail, instead of a hundred and three, as reported. Mr. Cambridge saw an engagement between one of our ships by name of Ardent, of fifty guns, Captain Bottler, and three of the enemies, and she was obliged to strike to them after an engagement of four hours and half. It happened on Tuesday last. Sir Charles Hardy not to be found. A general engagement is daily expected between the fleets." The entries of August 19th and 23rd bear vivid witness to the extraordinary peril the country was in in this summer of 1779. John Burgoyne was, of course, a mere purveyor of rumor, but the actual danger was very great. The French and Spanish fleets had combined, and entering the Channel in August outnumbered the English fleet under Sir Charles Hardy, 1716 to 1780. By practically two to one for the first time says lucky since sixteen ninety england saw a vast fleet commanding her seas and threatening and insulting her coasts invasion was almost hourly expected the danger appeared extreme the humiliation was intolerable and the letters of the most serious members of the opposition show that in their opinion the country had been conducted to the very brink of ruin Fortunately, however, the hostile fleet was feebly commanded and very imperfectly equipped. Sickness raged violently in its crews, and early in September, as the season of the equinoctial gales was rapidly approaching, it retired to Brest, where it remained inactive for several months. A great panic and humiliation, and the capture of a single ship-of-war of sixty-four guns were the sole fruits of the expedition. Note. Leckie's History of England in the Eighteenth Century, Volume 4, pages 111 to 113. See also Notice of Hardy in D.N.B. September 6th. I breakfasted, dined, supped, and slept again at Ansford. Nancy Woodford dined and spent the afternoon with us. I gave this morning to my sister Ponset one pound one shilling to be laid out in something for her little maid. To Nancy Hosey, late, my sister's maid. For making some handkerchiefs for me, etc., gave her two shillings sixpence. I gave her, coming away, being a pretty girl, one kiss. Mr. White, James Clark, and Mr. Poundsett and self walked up to Ansford Inn in the afternoon and smoked a pipe there. On liquor, etc., we each paid one shilling. Dr. Rock, an old schoolfellow of mine, and Mr. Wickham's son Thomas, came to Ansford Inn this evening in a whisky, and they were with us half an hour. Gave to James White and little Ann White this evening ten shillings. Great firing of cannon heard at Ansford this afternoon. September eighth, At nine this morning I took my leave of my friends, leaving them in tears, and was off for Norfolk. He and his servant sleep that night at Salisbury. I went and saw a 150 French prisoners this evening that are on their march to Winchester, September 9th. I slept exceeding well last night, having a very good bed. I got up at six this morning and saw the French prisoners march off for Winchester, accompanied by a troop of horse. After that I took a walk by myself to the camp about two miles south of Salisbury, and there breakfast at the camp coffee-house for officers, etc., all horse encamped there six regiments in all. The camp made a very pretty appearance. They proceed on their way and sleep at Winchester. September tenth. I slept very sound last night, having a very good bed, I breakfast at the George, Winchester, and after breakfast took a walk to the King's house and saw the French prisoners, walked over the prison with a civil soldier. I gave the soldier that went with me sixpence. I saw also the one hundred and fifty French prisoners that came from Stockbridge this morning delivered into prison. Each of them had a new straw bed given him and a coarse hammock to lay it upon. There are now in the prison about four thousand, and it is said that the prison will hold six thousand more. Many of the prisoners are supposed to be English, especially some of the boys who talk English very well about noon we marched off from winton these references by the diarist to the cavalry camp south of salisbury and the prison for french prisoners at winchester bring out with vivid force the fact that our defensive system throughout the eighteenth century and until the end of the nineteenth century was directed against the ancestral enemy france so entirely had the national energies been concentrated in facing towards france that when the menace changed, historically with dreamlike rapidity, from the channel to the North Sea, we were so unprepared that no really safe harbor was ready in 1914 for the grand fleet on the eastern coasts either of England or Scotland. This is admirably brought out in Mr. Winston Churchill's book The World Crisis, 1911-1914. Note see specially page one hundred and fifty four notes by the first lord of the admiralty the general unpreparedness of the eastern coast of great britain on the outbreak of war with germany is in itself an overwhelming proof that our intentions toward germany were pacific september twelfth i breakfasted and slept again at the blue boar oxford whither the diarist and will had come via andover where they had slept the night of the 11th. About one o'clock dressed myself, and then walked to New College, where I met with Crow, Weber, who has the living, the Atterbury, late Blackstones, Eaton, Coker Sr., and King. I dined, supped, and spent the evening with them at New College. They were the only fellows now in college, and all seniors. I saw the chapel and garden before dinner. In the west window of new college chapel are three most beautiful emblematical figures of faith hope and charity painted on glass they were done by one gervais of london and only put up in the chapel the last week no painting can exceed them i think on glass the whole of that great west window is to be repainted by him the design is of sir joshua reynolds and i could not go to saint mary church either morn or afternoon. I called and spoke with Locke this evening, my late silversmith, and he looks very well. He lives where he used to do. September 13th. I breakfast and slept again at the Blue Boar. Before breakfast I took a long walk on the Botley Road, having a violent pain in my stomach, owing, I believe, to eating too many walnuts yesterday at college. On my walk called at a house and had a dram, paid tuppence, after breakfast i took another walk but longer over port meadow called at two houses and had some rum and water at each being in great pain paid sixpence going over the ferry at binsey gave tuppence i dined supped and spent the evening at new college with weber crow coker senior eaton and king coker and king looked rather cool on me i thought it was after eleven this evening before i got to my inn Dr. Wall, I hear, is married and lives in St. Giles in Oxford. I had no opportunity of seeing him. Weber's Fellowship is vacant today or tomorrow. The high street in Oxford is exceeding handsome, being lately paved. Magdalen Bridge also finished. The upper room of New College Library also finished. On September 13th they proceeded by the usual route to Weston, which they reached on September 17th september eighteenth i breakfast dined supped and slept again at home soon after breakfast my friend mr hall called on me and dined and spent the afternoon with me poor mr hall was very uneasy concerning an affair that happened at walton about three weeks ago where he was insulted in public company by one Nellthorpe, and endeavoring to come at him to lick him had greatly hurt his leg between a door and its lintel mr hall could not get at him or else would have licked him handsomely i wish that he had done it i gave him for dinner some roast beef and an apple pudding i sent william this morn to mr custance's at ringland and mr duquesne's at tuddenham to inquire after them september twenty third mr howes called on me about dinner-time and stayed and dined with me and spent the afternoon mr howes made so free with my strong beer that he got himself quite drunk though i pressed him not to take too free i sent my man ben home with him september twenty fifth i breakfast dined supped and slept again at home mr priest of reapham and son st john made me a morning visit as they came from Duquesne's. memo on monday morn last about eleven o'clock I pulled off the head of a large flesh-fly, and the body had life in it, and stood upon its legs, and at different times moved his legs, and so continued till Thursday last, then fell down. September thirtieth. I let my man Ben have my little mare to go to Norch this morning to try to get a substitute to serve for him in the militia as he is drawn. I paid Mr. Duquesne for serving my church, for me, in my absence, fifteen Sundays at ten shillings sixpence, seven pounds, seventeen shillings sixpence. My man, Ben Legate, returned home in the evening from Norwich, having got a substitute, and seen him sworn in immediately, as well as accepted. He was obliged to give the substitute nine pounds, nine shillings. I gave him, in part of it this evening, one pound, one shilling." October second, As I was out in my garden this morning in my ermine old hat and wig, beard long and a dirty shirt on, who should walk by at the end of the garden but my squire and Mr. Beecham with him, Mrs. Custance's brother. They walked into my garden and went over it. They liked it exceedingly. They would not walk into my house. October ninth. Had a letter this evening from my sister Pouncet in which she tells me that Sister Clark and Sam and Nancy Woodford are coming to Weston and were to set off from Ansford on last Wednesday, to stay three or four days in London and then off for Weston. Two boxes with their clothes were already sent. October 12th. About eight this evening, my sister Clark, Nancy Woodford, and my nephew Samuel Clark arrived at Norwich. Where the diarist was meeting them in the london machine from the west greatly fatigued by being up all last night they drank some tea immediately and soon decamped to bed they slept at the king's head october twenty first mr and mrs kerr sent over to us this morning to desire that we would dine with them we sent word back that we could not having no carriage to go there He then sent back word that he would send his one-horse chair after the ladies, which we could not refuse complying with. Therefore at about one o'clock Sister Clark and Nancy went in the chair, and myself walked to Mr. Kerr's, and there dined, spent the afternoon, supped, and spent the evening with Mr. and Mrs. Kerr, Mr. Bottom of Mattishall. We had for dinner a leg of pork boiled, turkey roasted, and a couple of ducks. We had for supper a couple of fowls boiled a fine pheasant roasted and some cold things dinner and supper served up in china dishes and plates melons apples and pears walnuts and small nuts for a dessert we played at quadrille after tea at which i won sixpence my servants will and ben went out a coursing this morn by my order and did not return till after we were gone they coursed a brace of hares but killed never a one we returned as we went and got home about eleven o'clock mr kerr would make me accept of a hare also to mr kerr's servants gave one shilling sixpence sister clark gave the servants three shillings we spent a very agreeable day indeed at mr kerr's october twenty third had a letter this evening from bill woodford from on board the fortune sloop of war and now at Spithead, performing quarantine, being lately arrived from the Barbary coast, had been out about two months. He informs me that he had suffered many hardships, and he seems to be tired of the sea already. He now sincerely repents of his late behavior at my house at Weston, and of his not taking my advice to him. He also tells me that he has bought some curious things for me, and desires me to accept of them, one of them is a large Moorish sword, also a curious purse with some pieces of money in it. Between October 26th and 30th, the diarist, Sister Clark, Sam Clark, and Nancy Woodford enjoyed the now familiar scheme to Yarmouth, the diarist's guests being highly delighted with the sea, having never seen it before. They were away, spending a night or two at Norwich, four nights in all. We got home to Weston about three o'clock, and there we dined, supped, and slept at the old house. We all seemed very glad of our getting home. October thirty-first, I read prayers and preached this morning at Weston. My squire and lady were not at church being from home. Sister Clark and Nancy had a little miff today. November first, Sister Clark and Nancy had a high quarrel this morning stephen andrews gave me a greyhound bitch this morning by name fly to five chickens this morning paid two shillings sixpence to chambers of ling for a pair of breeches paid one pound november thirteenth had a letter this evening from mr kingston bursar of new college with a draft in it on hoar the banker for the sum of seventy three pounds ten shillings eleven pence halfpenny. Being a present from that society for the loss I sustained the first of January, owing to the high wind concerning my chancel. Very handsome indeed was it of them. November eighteenth. At three o'clock, myself and nephew took a ride to the Honorable Charles Townsend's. Note. See footnote, page two hundred eleven. At Honingham, where we dined and spent the afternoon by invitation. Just as we got to Mr. Townsend's, Mr. Duquesne overtook us and went with us there and dined, etc., etc. A Mr. Hill and son from Wells, a rich merchant and owner of the Standard Inn at Wells, where Mr. Hall and self slept at Wells, kept by one smith, he with another Wells merchant by name Springle, a very droll, sensible man and who has travelled much abroad, also dined and spent the afternoon with us. Mrs. Townsend was dressed in a scarlet riding-dress, her head dressed very high, and no cap at all on. We had for dinner a loin of mutton roasted, roast beef, a boiled chicken, soup, pudding, etc., first course, a turkey roasted, a roasted hare, mushrooms, tarts, macaroni and a custard pudding, etc., neither turkey nor hare above, half done. I never made a worse dinner, I think. We dined at four, drank tea at seven or after, at nine we returned home, left the other company there, Madeira and port wine, etc., to drink after dinner. I gave nothing to the servants at Mr. Townsend's. Mr. Townsend is going next week for London. November thirtieth. This being my frolic, I had about twenty farmers that dined with me and paid me their several compositions received this day from them two hundred and twenty-nine pounds eight shillings sixpence to john peg for taxes for one half a year paid nine pounds four shillings sixpence i gave them for dinner a fine rump of beef boiled four fowls boiled and bacon a fine neck of pork roasted and quantities of plum puddings sister clark and nancy dined by themselves in the study wine, punch, and beer, as much as they would. There was drank three bottles of wine, of rum, five bottles. They all went away about eleven o'clock. We did not get to bed till one in the morning. December second. To a letter from Bill Woodford, paid sevenpence. Bill Woodford is now on board the Ariadne frigate of thirty-two guns, and now at Sheerness. The captain, whose name is Squire, is exceeding civil to him bill sent me in a box a present of a sword paid for the carriage of one shilling twopence december fourth this evening by mr carey came bill's present to me viz a large moorish sword and a curious moor's purse made of morocco leather with some coins in it he also sent me two curious shells and a quill that came from falkland islands it is some gratitude in him i must confess but he expects something in return, as he complains in his letter to me of being very low in pocket. December 18th. In the Norwich paper this evening I saw my name put down to preach a charity sermon at St. Stephen's, Norwich, the 16th of April next. December 25th. I breakfast, dined, supped, and slept again at home. Sister Clark, Nancy, and Sam breakfast, etc. here again. Bitter cold, indeed, all day, and froze within doors. James Smith, Mike Clark, Richard Bates, Tom Carey, Tom Carr, Richard Buck, Thomas Dicker, and Tom Cushion all dined at my house to-day, being Christmas Day, and I gave them for dinner a sirloin of beef, roasted, and plum puddings, and to each of them, to carry home to their wives, gave one shilling, seven shillings total. I read prayers, preached, and christened two children of Palmer's, by name John and Sarah, this afternoon at Weston. Had but a small congregation, neither my squire or lady, at church to day. End of section twenty two, seventeen seventy nine.